looking at, at, at a study today that I believe is one for an encouragement. One that's, it's kind of awakening myself as I'm going through it. Because sometimes we forget. We forget what God has promised us. We forget about what it is to be prepared for the Lord's return. And sometimes maybe in our hearts we, we begin to lack faith and we get so caught up in all the busyness of a season and good things and in, sometimes in bad things too. So this is going to be a, a heart check and a reminder what it is to await for the Lord in this season. So from Luke's Gospel, chapter 17 in your Bibles, I want to read this portion of scripture before we dissect it. We're going to read from verses 20 to verse 37. He says, Now, when he, asked, he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is with you. Then he said to the disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look here, or look there. Do not go after them. Sorry. Did we lose that? It's on. <laughs> uh, is there any uh, sound on the? Oh, I think it's the maybe the cable. Yeah. Oh, you want to just plug it in tight? There you go. Sorry about that. Um, what verse was I on? Someone remind me. Twenty-two. He said. Then he said to the disciples. The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. 
Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed. And one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So kind of, of an interesting text this morning. Not kind of, actually a very interesting text. Because there's parts of it that, that are, are, are a bit mysterious to me as I was first going through it. What was Jesus talking about when he was saying about the one being left behind? And w- what was he reminding the, the Pharisees a- about when it comes to the times of Noah and the times of Lot? What was he warning the disciples about? So we're going to take it verse by verse. Let's start with verse 20. He says in verse 20, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. So first he's speaking this to the Pharisees. And I wonder, man, when the Pharisees were saying this, I I can imagine that they were probably asking him this to test him. Because they were maybe even in a sense saying, oh, Jesus, you you think you're the kingdom of God? So when is the kingdom of God, Jesus? Kind of mocking. I don't think they genuinely wanted to know. Uh, But Jesus' response It points out to a misconception that these religious leaders had during their time. Because the Pharisees were so concerned about what was coming, yet they were missing out on the power that was right in front of them. The power that Jesus was going to make available to them. They had no idea what they were missing out on. And that happens to us, right? Sometimes we're so fixated on what's coming that we don't realize what God has given us. That would be like me treating my wife bad all week while at the same time preparing for her birthday that's coming up. December 8th, just shout out to Lisa in the back. So imagine if I just w- was harsh and mean to her, it, right? That it's kind of hypocritical for me to, to treat my, my wife mean, yet at the same time be planning, oh, but it's on that one day. And sometimes I think people make an exaggeration of the one anniversary day or the one birthday. And they, they turn that as to the most special day, yet throughout their life, they're not celebrating their spouse. They're not pouring that love and affection on them. Because they're missing out on the present opportunity. And you guys have those opportunities in your life also every day that come by and sometimes it's missed opportunities. People who maybe the Lord puts a conviction in your heart to talk to and you're like to, to share and evangelize to them but we get scared and we tense up. That happens to me. I had this guy from the 7-Eleven. His, his name was Raj. who I first met him and I, I walked in and he was like, you don't need to wear that mask, bro. I was like, oh, sweet. Took off the mask. And then he was like, yeah, man, I can tell you're a rebel, bro. You're a rebel who runs with the devil. 
And I was just like, whoa, whoa, right? Like already, like just, you know, a little extreme, right? I, I just walked in the store. <laughs> uh, and I, I just felt, I, w- I was in a rush. I had to get out of there. But I could sense like just thoughts in this guy's mind where like maybe just a conspiracy background and where he was at in life. And I was like, okay, I got to go to, I got to go to work. I'll see you around, bro. And then I was like, all right, take care. And then I go to the gym. Actually, me and my wife go to the gym. We see the same guy. I'm like, oh, there he is again. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I think you're putting this guy in my path. And then, so me and my wife, we see him from a distance. We leave that day. I come back to the gym again. He's there again. And this time I'm like, okay, all right, Lord. Third time's the charm. So he's he's got this um, satanic... Uh, emblem sticker on the front of his uh, motorcycle helmet and I see him like hey man so like what do you think about all that stuff and he's like oh I don't think it's like what people say it is really he's like to me it's an expression of freedom and I'm like oh that's interesting Uh, so I was like you seem like a guy who I was like from our conversations you seem like a guy who likes to seek out truth because he likes conspiracy theories and things like that and he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, I was like, one thing I believe, I was like, because I'm also a truth seeker like you. And one thing that I found in my life is that Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. And, and then he started to kind of like, I could see the wheels turning in his head. He's like, oh, this guy's like a Christian or something. And just planting little seeds, planting little seeds. And now he's, he's trying to send me stuff on Instagram. And I'm going to send him stuff back. I'm like, all right, dude, let's go. <laughs> but... You know, those opportunities, sometimes we just walk away from them at, at times because we're scared. And maybe the Lord will bring it back. I, I want to encourage us this morning, take, be bold. Be bold in our faith. I think that's part of the study today in this season that we're in, is to be bold. And also not to miss those opportunities. Think about this with the Pharisees who, who were so legalistic and who were missing that opportunity that the Lord had in front of them. Who was someone during that season, during that era, that, that age, who wasn't, who wasn't missing out on the opportunity? Of course, Jesus, but besides, besides Jesus, someone who comes to my mind as I'm studying the scriptures, who was during Jesus' time doing what God was calling him to do, is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. And what was his message? What was his preaching about? Repentance, which leads me to my first point this morning. Point number one, repent today. The Bible teaches us that today is the day of salvation. So let's not wait. And here's, here's the, the truth that you're like, well, I'm saved. Yeah, but we still are sinners. We still need a daily lifestyle of crucifying the flesh, being, putting the flesh to death and being alive with Christ. Because when people believe that they are always right, then they find no room for repentance in their life. And I know, I think some of us struggle with that, thinking that what we believe, what we think, is always right. And, and yet, at the same time, if you think about it, if you can admit that you're a sinner, then that would mean that there's things in your life that you know that aren't right. So we need that repentance. We are sinners. We realize this. And yet sometimes we live as if all of our views are correct. So let's be slow to speak, quick to listen in life. 
It reminds me uh, of David, what he wrote in Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. He had this prayer. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now that's, for me, honestly, uh, kind of a, a hesitancy to pray that prayer. Because if I'm going to say, okay, Lord, search my heart, that's basically saying, show me what is wrong about myself. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait God, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to know what's wrong. Sometimes we just like, you know, to, to look in the mirror and see that we look good. And then we don't want to look at all the little blackheads that are like close up, right? <laughs> that's me. I'm putting myself on blast right there. But if we look in the mirror and see that there's a problem, let's correct it in our life. Let's not be the fool who the Bible talks about, who looks in the mirror, sees his hair, looks like a, a parakeet, and then just walks away thinking like, okay, I'm good to go out in, my, in the world today. In verse 22, then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after or follow them. So keep in mind, Jesus, he knows that the time is coming when he's going to leave his disciples. Because now, first he was addressing the Pharisees, but now he's addressing his friends, the men he's pouring into. And he knows that the day is coming, he's going to go to the cross. And then after that, when he is resurrected, he's going to leave the disciples. And they're going to be without him. So he's preparing them for that moment. He's saying the days are going to come when you're going to desire to see when I return in glory. And there's going to be people who are going to say, look, that, that the Messiah is here. Or look, the Messiah is over there. And he's warning them now of the false teaching that's going to come and that is now currently existing today. Because there are people who claim that Jesus has already made his second coming. If you guys didn't know this, actually, there was a, a cult known as Heaven's Gate, which in, in, in 1997, there was this small group of people who believed that... A, there was a comet, Hale-Bopp, that was coming around the Earth that on the other side of that comet, there was an alien spaceship flying. And they all wore Nikes. All this cult, I don't know why they wore Nikes, but they all were solidarity in Nikes. And followed this guy who said, look, uh, when this comet comes by, this alien spaceship, we're all going to drink this, this poison. We're going to put plastic bags on our head. And when we die, we're going to be taken away with this comet, with this uh, alien spaceship, it's going to take us into heaven's gate. And 39 people followed this man, committed suicide, and did that. Because they felt the Messiah was coming. So we, we need to be careful with, with cults. A cult is, is an a organization, a religion, that begins to change what the early church talked about. Another one, Jehovah's Witnesses. 
they believe that Jesus actually was not given full authority in heaven until 1914. There was some miraculous meeting that happened, and then Jesus came into full authority, but that was his second coming, and now we're kind of in this kingdom age, and it's, it's a little weird. So we need to be careful whenever someone starts to tell you that, look, salvation is Jesus plus works. Because that's what cults will do. That's false doctrine that we need to be aware of. Because here's, here's the tricky thing about cults. Is there can be a lot of truth in what they're saying. But it's that 10% little lie that sends people to hell. It's that small little bit of leaven in their teaching. We did a podcast here yesterday morning with one of my, my good buddies, is Pastor Angel Rodriguez over in Calvary Chapel City Terrace. And he grew up as a Jehovah's Witness as, from a little kid. And then when he was, uh, s- still in his youth, his mom was experiencing physical abuse from the dad, who was also part of the Jehovah's Witness church. And it got, it got so bad that she had to pack up her kids and, and get out of Dodge. She had to leave. And the Jehovah's Witness church said, you can't leave your husband if you do this, then we're going to excommunicate you and all your family. So she's like, I, I got to save my children. I got to protect myself. And then they, they lost a, f- a lot of friends. They lost a lot of family members because the Jehovah's Witnesses at that point excommunicated them from the community. So that's the type of legalism that cults can bring. So, man, love on, on people. Love on people who are maybe are in a different place than you because you you don't know what perhaps they're going through. And we need to know our word. We need to know what the Bible teaches. Man, I remember, I don't know why it stopped recently, but like a year ago, there was a bunch of people telling me that the, the queen of heaven was someone who's important that we need to worship too. And that's just, they were knocking on our doors. And I was like, man, I don't know where people are seeing this from. So we need to know our word. We need to study our word, meditate on it. Let's look at verse 24. He says, For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. So I wonder now, as I'm looking at this, he's giving an illustration here of lightning. How does lightning behave? How do we see it behave? It covers the sky, right? And it, and it happens, you could see kind of the, the signs that may, perhaps a lightning strike is about to take place. The storms come, the clouds, but then it's instantaneous, right? It's in a moment. And it's also, you can't really predict the exact moment it's going to happen. It's, it's so fast. And, and I, I see this as he's giving that illustration of this is how Jesus is going to return. So this is, I hear for me, when I, when I see the lightning bolts, I know my wife in the back there, she's very scared of lightning bolts. And I just want to say, this is an encouragement. Look, at it's like when I see the lightning next time, that's like Jesus, babe. <laughs> how he's going to come back, how he's going to return. Now there's people who in this day are wondering, okay, if Jesus is going to come back and, and we see that our society in America and the world that we live in, are we in the end times? 
And I believe we are. We're approaching that. But then there's people who then take it a step further and are like, hey, well, is, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? And there's a lot of people right now who believe that the vaccine is the mark of the beast. And I'm like, okay, Christians, we need to know our word. Because if you knew your word, you would know that the mark of the beast doesn't take place until the great tribulation is already happening. So let, let's know and understand our word. Now, is the technology being produced for it? Probably. Yeah, I would say so. Technology for the mark? Sure. I could agree with that. But I'm not scared that all these people are taking, they're going to know. When they take that, accept the mark of the beast, it's going to be to worship the Antichrist. Now, I want to have you guys turn your Bible to Daniel chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. And I want you guys, if you have a pen, I want you to underline this verse in your Bible because this is an important verse to know when does the great tribulation start. And in fact, believe it or not, I know when the great tribulation starts. People are like, what? How do you know when the great tribulation starts? I know it. It says it right here. Watch. I'll show you. In Daniel, 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 Daniel chapter 9, verses 26 and verse 27. You guys there? Cool. All right. It says, and after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. It's referring to Jesus. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now this is talking about the Antichrist. And the end of it shall be with the flood until the end of the war of desolations are determined. Now this verse 27 is what I want you to underline. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Now what's it referring to here? The word for, for one week, it's the same phrase as seven in the Hebrew. And it's referring to the seven years of great tribulation right here. So when the Antichrist makes the covenant for one week, that is when the great tribulation starts. It starts with the covenant, the peace treaty. So when we see that happen, which the Bible teaches us that there's going to be a rapture, so, and we are not appointed unto wrath, so luckily we're not going to experience the great tribulation. Thank God we're not going to experience that. But when the covenant happens, the peace treaty, that is when the great tribulation takes place. So until that time, I'm, I'm not scared of the, the vaccine being the mark of the beast, and I don't think anyone in this church should be either. Spread the word. <laughs> now in verse 25, back in Luke's gospel. Jesus says, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Oh, I forgot to say my second point, huh? 
my second point of the study, if you guys want to are taking notes, beware false teaching. <laughs> but my third point of the study today, my third point of the study, is don't get ahead of God. In verse 25, Jesus right here, he was expected to bring a revolution by the, the, a lot of the people, a lot of the Jews. The Jews, they felt that when the Messiah was going to come, that he was going to overthrow Rome. That he was going to make a, a utopia on the current age that they were living in. But that wasn't God's plan. God wanted first to rescue the souls of the entire world. And he was going to do that through his son, Jesus. In order for that to happen, Jesus was made to suffer and to experience rejection. This is why sometimes people, they, they get ahead of God's will. Remember, they try to take Jesus and say, okay, let's make him king. We're going to overthrow Rome. And Jesus would have to flee from them and disappear. Because sometimes we get selfish and we get ahead of God's plan in our life. Even when Jesus would tell Peter, he would say, hey, he would tell his disciples, look, I'm going now to be crucified. And then Peter would grab Jesus, pull him aside and be like, yo, dude, you're making all the disciples sad. Like, can you please stop? Like, don't, just don't talk about dying and crucifixion. Look, I, 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 like, we're not going to let that happen. Okay? Okay, Jesus? And Jesus looks at Peter. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And he says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of man. And that happens in our life when we get ahead of God's will, when we're not in that same place with the Lord. I remember there was, during the COVID season, we, had, we were meeting as a, a church in the Glendora Youth Center, and it was great. And then all that had to stop and get shut down which I was really like, man, man, we, Lord, like, why, why do we have to close the doors on, on this new church that we were just starting? And then we were at home and we were meeting at my mom and dad's house, which was an awesome blessing. But then I started, they started to open things back up again a little bit. And the Glendora Center started to send me emails. They're like, hey, if you guys want to come back, we're available for you to come back. And I told my fiance at the time, and I was like, okay, let's pray about it. Let's pray and, and fast, actually, because this was the moment. It was like we needed to make a decision, and we prayed, and we fasted, and I felt the Lord just tell me, just wait. Wait at your parents' house. Don't go back to the youth center yet. And then it wasn't like a month after that. Then everything shut down again, and I was like, oh, my gosh. See, we would have just been going, taking the people back and forth, back and forth. So we need to be right with the Lord in our steps, in our walking. We don't want to get ahead of the Lord. And a lot of the times that... I see that happen with, with relationships, w with jobs, and, and with whatever it is that you feel a desire for. Sometimes we begin to strive and force things to happen rather than just letting God open that door. So let God do the work. And he's going to tell you when it's time to take a step of action. He's going to tell you when it's time to move. Verse 27 well, we'll start with verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came 
and destroyed them all. So right here, when they're, he's talking about eating and drinking and marriage, the, the, those things are not evil spoken of here. The point that Jesus is making is that at that time, the difference between what Noah was doing versus what the rest of the world was doing was very different. And if you guys remember the story of Noah, God called him and said, hey, I'm going to destroy the world because the world is completely sinful and evil right now. They've turned so far against me. These demons were coming and having sexual relationships with the women of that age. I need to wipe out the world, but Noah found grace in God's eyes. So God told Noah, I want you to build an ark. And you and your family, you guys are going to go in that ark. And we see, we always see that God has his remnant, that God has his mercy, his grace available still. And what the world was doing during that age is everyone's getting married and, and drinking and, and living just a, a, an immoral lifestyle. Whereas Moses, I'm sorry, Moses, Noah is preparing. He's preparing for the wrath that was going to come. And that's what we need to be doing. In verses 28, Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so it will be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. And then we look at Lot's account, right? He's bringing up another Old Testament account where Lot, he looked out and he saw the, the, the plains of Sodom and it was, it was beautiful. And that's where he wanted to go live. But Sodom and, and Gomorrah was a city of, of wickedness. So much so that the outcries were, were going up to heaven, the angel said. And so Lot then, first he was outside, he pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like modern day Las Vegas. And then slowly but surely, he started making his way closer and closer to Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he was in the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah, meaning that he was someone who was acting as a judge. He was someone who was now part of, of their system there. And the angels had to come to Lot and tell him, hey, look, we're going to destroy this city. So you get your, yourself and your family, your daughters, your children, and we're going we're gonna to get you guys out of here now because we're gonna about to rain fire and brimstone here in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot goes to his sons-in-laws and tells them, look, they're going to destroy the city. You guys need to come with us or you're going to be killed. And his sons-in-laws thought they were, that he was joking. They didn't take him seriously. And I, I believe that in that same illustration that Jesus is giving them is saying, look at, look at how people were not taking the warning seriously. And I think that's something that we need to take in our lives. That God it has been giving us warnings, that you guys have heard that Jesus Christ is coming back. Are we taking that seriously? And even this, even if we don't live, maybe individually, to that point when the rapture happens, we all have our appointed time to die. And, and that could be any moment without getting too scary out there. It's any moment. 
It's like every second you get closer to death. It's true though. But here's another thing. For the believer, every second you get closer to the glory of the Lord. To enter into eternity with him. Are we prepared for that? Are we taking this seriously in our life, in our walk? Do we allow the flesh and the sin to just lead us and to take us away from what God has purposed in our hearts, in our lives to do? You guys hear me talk talk about all the time of living that purpose-filled life where you're just saying, all right, Jesus, I want to do what you've made me for. I want to do what I was created for, what you made me to do. And when we're trying to do something else, that's when we become frustrated and upset and angry and things don't work out in our life because we're not doing what God called us, what we were made to do. One day our Lord is going to come and yet sometimes we act like he isn't. And we do this by trading the eternal reward that he has for us for immediate pleasure in our life. We're the, the God of heaven and earth is saying, I have this glorious prize for you, but then we just want just the immediate satisfaction that only lasts for a moment. Which leads me to my fourth point this morning. Point four, be eternally minded. You'll hear, you'll hear me say it often. We need to have that eternal perspective in our life. And I want to give you guys an illustration. What if I offered you today Right now, one dollar. And said, look, I, I could give you this dollar right now and you could almost buy a pack of gum. You could almost buy a, a 99 cent Arizona iced tea with that. How about that? Or in a week, if you just wait one week, I'll give you a billion dollars. People are like, like, and let's say that in this reality, I just had the money like that where I could just give it to you, okay? <laughs> and it was true, it was real. How foolish would you be to not wait. You would wait the week, right? You'd be like, a week? I got that for sure. I'm going to wait a week and then I'm going to be able to buy all the gums and Arizona iced tea I want. Because you know that it's going to be worth it. But then when it comes to the things of God in our life, what he has in store for us, often we choose the $1 bill. I want the immediate satisfaction. I want the, the immediate high. I want the immediate little lust, the pleasure. And yet God has something so much better in store for us. And we're forsaking that. We're forsaking that eternal reward. And why are we doing it? Why, why do we do it? Because we know this logically, right? We know it logically, but in our hearts, we don't believe it. We don't believe it. Because if we believed it, we would wait. And we wouldn't forsake the Lord and that eternal reward that he has for us. We would say no to sin, no to our own selfish desires. And we would say, God, I know what you have is best for me. And that obedience to you, it reaps a reward in heaven so much more abundant than the immediate pleasure here on earth. God says to say no to sin and yes to God. God tells us to wait for our marriage. But men we want, and women, we want pornography and sex outside of marriage. God says to us, wait for that door to open in your life. But we strive and we want to do what we feel like we were made for. 
God says, wait for my spirit to come upon you, yet we go out and operate in the flesh. God says, wait for Jesus, because he's going to come, and man says he's not coming. I don't believe it. So this is the encouragement. Believe, have faith, and grow in the truth that Jesus is coming, that we are going to meet our maker one day. That all the sickness, the disease of this life is all going to be faded away. This earth is going to burn and, and fade, disintegrate. And we will be with Christ forever in eternity. Fully experiencing the joy, the love, the peace, the hope. Not only a, 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 a mental experience, a spiritual, a physical, metaphysical. It's all going to be amazing. And that's because it's Jesus who's with us. Meeting our needs. And he's here with us now. He lives inside of you. So what do we do in our waiting then is the question. We're waiting for the return of the Lord. What do we do? Let God work in you and through you. Think of how Jesus lived for 30 years waiting. Right? Before he began his public ministry, we don't really know a lot about the things that Jesus did. We have a couple of stories, accounts of what Jesus did when he was a young man. But for the most part, he was waiting. You think Jesus was running ahead of his father's timing? No, he wasn't. He only did those things the father wanted him to do. You think when Mary and Joseph were taking little Jesus out camping, he would be like, transfiguration, and then all of a sudden the light and glory would come out to scare them? No, he was waiting for that glory, that divine moment to happen. What about when he was first tempted? When he was, or when I, I should say when he was tempted by the devil. S the spirit led him into the wilderness. Satan first tempted him. What did he tempt him with? What was the first temptation? To turn stones to bread. Right? His physical need, the immediate need in his life. He was hungry, literally, physically hungry. And Satan said, just turn these stones to bread. And we know Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God. He was patient. He endured that suffering. And how about when he was on the cross? They, they mocked him and said, if you are the Messiah, just take yourself off. Just come down and we'll believe you. And he could have, but he didn't. Why? Because he endured the, the cross. He endured the shame. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He did that for you, for me, for his Father in heaven, so that we can have a relationship with him. And another verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, Paul wrote, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, that's where faith and hope comes from. And the things that we can't see. 
Continuing in, in our chapter, verse 31. In that day, he who was in on the house top and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. So now again, two examples. Noah, the flood was rising up during Noah's time, right? The, the water was coming in from the heavens and also from the earth. And he's saying, look, there may have been people foolishly up on the housetop who were like, hey, get the, get the TV, it's downstairs, don't we need to save it? And the whole world is going up in smoke, or in water, I should say. And then Lot's wife, what did she do? She turned back. When uh, the fire and brimstone was raining down on Sodom and Gomorrah, she longed to look back at the world, longed to look back at the pleasure and the sin of that city, and she was turned into salt. So there's two things that we see in those examples. Number one, you don't prioritize material things over eternal. I'll say it again. Don't prioritize material things over eternal. And number two, don't look back at the world and at sin. Don't go back. Christ has saved you. You are a child of God. You've been inherited by him. So don't go back. Don't look back. Which leads me to, to point five, my last point this morning. Be prepared for Christ. And we'll read verses 34 through 36. He says, I tell you in that night, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a very important verse. Let's read verse 33. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. And what he's talking about here, look, don't, exchange the flesh life for the spirit-filled life. There's a quote by Jim Elliott. He said, A man is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. A man is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep, that's the things of this world that's all going to burn, in order so that he can gain that which cannot be taken away from him, the things of eternity, where moth and rust cannot destroy. And then in verse 34, I tell you in that night there will be two men in one bed, and the one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together, the one will be taken, the other left, and two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? Now there's a lot of Bible scholars who believe that this is exactly referring to the rapture. That throughout the world, some who are working, some who are sleeping, there's going to be people who experience someone who's raptured right next to them. If you guys have ever seen those movies, the Left Behind series, I remember as a little kid, those kind of put a little shock factor in your heart when you saw, man, the truck driver just disappeared. The truck went flying into the other cars and killed them all. There's another, uh, a Silent Thunder, I think it was what it was called. That was a really trippy one. If you guys ever go look back at some Christian tribulation movies back then. But there is going to be that reality. And we want our friends, our loved ones to know, look, Christ is coming. 
Get ready. And lastly, 37. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, the eagles will be gathered. And what he's referring to again is those signs that are coming that you're going to be able to see and notice and recognize that his return is present. And I leave us this morning with this last verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. He says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So this is the encouragement. We're excited that Christ is returning. We're not scared of it. And we could, as believers, grow in whatever that is, that call that God has placed in your life and encourage one another to also do the same. You know, one thing I, I always encourage people to do is let God lead them. I don't want to be leading someone in their life. I want God to lead them. So the things we saw this morning, to be prepared for Christ, to be eternally minded, to be aware of false teaching, not to get ahead of God, and to repent. So let's walk forward this week.